Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Today on the podcast, I am happy to have Brittany Hodges, a medical student at the University of Rochester. Britt serves as a health equity leader, a program of the National Medical Fellowships to develop future healthcare leaders with the knowledge, skills, and competencies to promote health equity for medically underserved communities. Britt, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm excited. Um, Okay, so we always start our interviews by asking, what's something you've been into lately? Just a little getting to know you question. It can be anything, an old or a new hobby, just like whatever comes to mind. Uh, That is a good question. Um, Recently, I've been thinking about starting a clothing line um, called Local Celebrity, um, just as an ironic kind of tongue-in-cheek um, sort of thing for my friends and I. Um, so that's what I've been thinking and brewing up. So kind of funny, but also a fun little side project. That's so cool. What kind of um, clothing items like are you thinking about? Just uh, t-shirts and hoodies um, and stickers too. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I have some friends in the art world in, in Rochester. And so I think they would appreciate just like a new local clothing brand. Nothing too fancy, very minimal, but um, that's kind of in the works for me right now. I think that sounds great. I definitely will keep an eye out for that. So as I mentioned, you are a medical student at the U of R in your second year, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. And you've already done quite a bit of work in the area of community health. I know specifically partnering with Foodlink. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you start by talking about just how that interest and connection developed? Sure. So during the summer of my, between my first and second year of med school, um, I received the Andrus uh, Community Health uh, Fellowship through the Community Center for Community Health and Prevention at the U of R, where um, I chose Foodlink uh, and I worked with uh, their community farm on Lexington Avenue. Um, and I chose Foodlink because I come from kind of a background of passion for food access and food equity. Starting when I was in high school, I did a senior project where I worked with um, uh, an organization that turned empty lots into um, uh, community gardens um, in Philadelphia. And so that was when I kind of saw the power of um, localized food systems, um, giving access to nutritious produce to folks who may have not had the opportunity to do so. Um, one thing that stood out for me that from that experience is I was watering and seeding um, veggies in this um, urban plot. And then I looked up and saw the Philadelphia skyline. And for me, that dichotomy of like being in the dirt and um, kind of working with my hands, which to me seems sort of like a rural um kind of activity, but like looking up and seeing this brilliant um, cityscape was kind of just a really powerful moment for me. And I was like, this is something that I love. And so fast forward to to med school, I um, 
kind of wanted to keep that trajectory and continuity of of passion for food access um, as a med student because as we all know that the connection between nutrition and food is a huge um, social determinant of health so decided to work with Foodlink in their community farm where I kind of wanted to understand and explore the health and social benefits of this community farm um, on the on the folks who on the farmers who work there who are predominantly South um, Asian refugees. And so I engaged in a community based participatory research to, to kind of ask um, engage in conversations and dialogue with these folks to see how how um, the the farm has impacted them both mentally, physically, emotionally. And as to be expected, there were huge kind of health and social benefits to to the to the farm um, on the farmers. So people had increased uh, access to food, increased f- physical activity. Um, and something that was kind of surprising to me, like the the farm itself served as a space for social connected connectedness um, during the summer um, and a therapeutic restoration for the farmers there. So it was quite a beautiful summer. I love being outside. I love talking to people and kind of understanding a perspective that's different from my own. So I um, had a great time with Foodlink um, two summers ago. That's really neat, um, especially the idea of really kind of focusing on the people who are actually working on the farm and like the direct benefits that they're getting from doing that work too, um, which I think is probably a little bit unusual as people are thinking about food access and and um, and thinking of probably more who's being served. Um, so I think that's a really neat perspective to have too. For people who are not familiar, can you describe like the community farm a little bit, where it is, what it looks like, kind of how it works? Sure. So for folks who are unfamiliar, who, who don't live in Western New York, so Foodlink is one of the largest food hubs in Western New York region, providing um, uh, kind of a safety net of um, produce and um, other goods for folks who are in need. And they also have this like pretty large community garden um, about a mile or so from their warehouse. And so um, they have about 60 families who um, have um, their own plots on the land where they pay, I, I believe it's Twenty to thirty dollars a year for seeds, water, tools, um, and they can can really plant and grow whatever they see fit. Um, a lot of farmers um, are from are refugees from Nepal and Bhutan, and so a lot of the farmers grow vegetables from their home country. And I think that was really important to have the culturally to have culturally relevant produce available to them. Um, a lot of them come from long traditions of agricultural um, traditions. And so it's, it's you know, uh, pract- it serves as a practical benefit to have this, you know, affordable food source, but also just um, a connection to home as well, kind of um, planting and growing foods that they're familiar with and then sharing that with their families, um, which is pretty beautiful to see. As you were doing this work over that summer, was there anything in particular that um, surprised you or, you know, um, a lesson that really has kind of like stuck with you or changed how you look at things? 
Um, yeah, that is a good question. I think, um, I think what really stood out to me from the summer was that, you know, these kind of micro, um, micro farms, micro gardens can really be kind of scaled up to many different parts of the city for other communities to have this access. I think, um, you know, my experience on the farm really showed me that this was like a powerful benefit to this South um, Asian community. And obviously there are health disparities um, everywhere. And I think that um, other communities like black and brown communities can also truly benefit. And so I think there, in terms of, you know, if we really want to mitigate racial health disparities and um, cardiovascular health and, um, metabolic syndromes, I think, you know, cities, uh, medical institutions can really do a lot to invest in local local um, gardens and farms to really boost um, the health of populations in need. So medical school is a super busy time, but you have managed to stay connected, it sounds like, with Foodlink and actually turn that into some additional work that you're doing too. So will you talk more about kind of after that summer, um, your your work going forward? Sure. Yeah. So the the Foodlink summer on the farm had quite um uh indelible um impression on me and I and I really couldn't stay away. So um this opportunity came across my um came across my desk, so to speak, where um it's called the Health Equity Leadership Program through the National Medical Fellowship, where 30 medical students are chosen across the country to um, engage in community service um, work and research. Um, and there they can choose whatever community organization that they would like, and they stay with them longitudinally for nine months to engage in community-based research. Um, and so I was like, this seems phenomenal and wonderful. And I and I applied and um, chose to continue my work with Foodlink, this time working with their curbside market program, which is a mobile market program, which um, travels to 50 different sites across the greater Rochester region, um, providing fresh produce um, uh, to, to folks in need. Um, a lot of the stops that are made are at um, um, different apartment units um, and medical centers too. But I think the biggest benefit it has for folks is the convenience factor. Like they, a lot of folks are homebound or they don't have access to transportation, et cetera. And so um, this, this mobile market really just comes right to folk, to, to people's homes. Um, so the research I decided to do with them focuses on um, understanding the different um, factors that lead to uh, or understanding which um, market sites are functioning optimally, like which um, sites have the highest customer enrollment and which um, sites don't, and kind of seeing how we can bridge that gap and increase um, um, participation uh, at the sites that are um, not as um, not functioning optimally. So that really includes conducting customer satisfaction surveys um, at each site to understand um, kind of that qualitative um, insight on what makes 
a particular customer come out to a site? Um, what do they enjoy about the site? What they don't? So right now we're in the uh, survey distribution phase. Um, and then um, coming up, we'll analyze that data and then try to make some um, decisions on how do we improve access at um, those low, lower performing sites. And so far it has been quite refreshing. Um, I've kind of hopped around or taken the van and and I I don't know if I mentioned this but it's a very like fun cool um program because you have this kind of big truck that has beautifully um um I don't know, like beautiful veggies all over the bus. Um, and then folks can um, kind of choose whatever vegetables they'd like, and then we deliver them. Um, so I've hopped on the truck to different sites. Um, and it's been really refreshing talking to to customers and community members. Um, and it's been just a great way because one of the biggest um, priorities for me was um, not only to go to med school, um, but also invest in the community where I'm currently living. And so this has been a great opportunity for me to kind of talk to the community members to really see what um, what they're thinking. So it's been pretty great. That's great. Um, I know you're still collecting all of your data right now, but are there any like themes that have already sort of popped out in terms of the information that you're getting from people about, you know, what, what works well, like for the sites that are going really well, what is it about it that, that really draws people to be able to um, come to the market there? Yeah, I think anecdotally, one of the bigger um, kind of pulls for a particular site is kind of precedence, like how long um, Food Link in the curbside um, van has been going to a particular site, like more people know about it, they're more willing to to come out. Um, another, on, on the flip side, uh, a drawback I've noticed is just the weather, you know, Rochester can get really cold and icy and when the weather is kind of yucky, people don't want to leave their homes, which is understandable. Um, the other thing people have mentioned too, because you know the food link van has to go to so many different sites, and often uh, we're only at a site for an hour, an hour and a half, and sometimes that window can be tricky for people. And so, um, maybe strategizing how we can stay at a particular site for a longer amount of time, just so we can, um, so more people can uh, come come at their um at their availability um so those are the big things that i've noticed so far but i think we'll definitely need to kind of dig into the analysis to have any more conclusive um findings this work is such a good example of a couple of things um one i think just as a person with, you know, uh, clearly a, a passion for this work, but a limited amount of time um, partnering with an organization like Foodlink, a community-based organization that already has, you know, an infrastructure and connections and work in the community and being able to partner with them through them instead of kind of trying to invent this all on your own, I feel mm -hmm. like is such a huge lesson for people who want to, you know, do this kind of um, this kind of work. And then this idea of the work that you're doing with the the curbside market of really kind of understanding 
what the um what the community wants and needs um and um and starting with the feedback that you're getting directly from the customers um is really important and something that we don't always do super well um in medicine or in community health um when we think uh you know that there, we have an idea for something that would work well so being able to start um and really like getting that voice and listening i feel like is such a good example of the right way to do this kind of work Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I definitely agree. Um, and something I like to say, like um, a, a mantra I have is like, I'd rather be outside, um, which I guess can be uh, a point of conflict since I am going going to become a physician. But anyway, like whenever I have a chance to get away from the computer and like be outside in the sun, um, talking to people, um, understanding another person's perspective, I feel I'm very happy. So um yeah just wanted to add that yeah it's amazing how outside and sun in particular can really um change your mood (laughs) (laughs) um so you talked a little bit about i think what drew you or the work that you've done um even before coming to medical school into food access and gardening and that kind of work um will you talk a little bit about just your path towards medicine like how did you know that you wanted to go to medical school um what did that look like for you yeah, that is a great question. I, you know, growing up as a young child, I, I always really appreciated science and math. Like those subjects came really easily, e- came really easy to me, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I went to college at Brown University and studied public health, and that really exposed me to the social layering of how health illness disease really percolates through society and it definitely disturbed me that you know black and brown folks face higher amounts of essentially every disease compared to white folks and I was like this is an issue how do I change this as a young black woman um so that was kind of like the the spark that kind of pushed me in the direction towards medicine um and then when I graduated um, undergrad, I wasn't 100% committed because I had this public health degree and I was like, maybe I could do global health. Um, so I took a few years off in between undergrad and medical school to kind of um, finalize uh, or crystallize um, my reasoning for um, pursuing medicine. Um, it was in that gap year that I did some clinical research at um, the University of Pennsylvania, um, particularly um, some cancer research at the Abramson Cancer Center. Um, And then I just kind of fell in love with um, the idea of cancer in terms of its like, um, uh, like pathophysiology, but also the social component of the racial health outcomes related to cancer. Um, My mom was also diagnosed with endometrial cancer all around that time. And it seemed like things were kind of all aligning in terms of like my academic passions and personal life. Um, And so I was like, yeah, maybe this is this is the thing that I need to do. And so I applied to med school and I got into Rochester. And um, at this point, I'm still thinking about Hemonk in terms of future directions, but I am only, you know, a second year med student and I haven't hit the floors yet. So 
kind of keeping the differential open in terms of, you know, what specialty I ultimately end up in. But um, kind of, I think that's the kind of, those are the dominoes that led me here so far. Yes. And you certainly still have time to decide what field you want to go into. Do you envision continuing with this work, you know, around food and and gardening and sort of community health in some way as you move through the next couple of years and then into whatever chosen field you you go into? 100%. I think food and nutrition has um, an intersection point in whatever field I end up going into. And I think as a resident, fellow and attending, I really want to keep the, you know, part of me that really loves um, farming and gardening part of how I practice. Like I, I do want to be like a pillar of trust in whatever community I decide decide to um, practice in. And so I don't know. I envision a, I envision like having a community farm associated with a clinical practice where patients can go and having really robust connections with um, the academic institution where I practice and the community. I feel like in every, every city, every big city, there are um, localized agricultural programs. So, so I hope to kind of bridge that gap um, to really improve um, patient health outcomes um, in some way. You've already accomplished so much, even at at this point in your training. Um, And I wonder for medical students starting out or undergrads or graduate students, people who are like, you know, kind of looking at um, these fields of interest and wanting to do similar work or get more involved in the community. Do you have any advice that you would that you would say to them? Yeah, I think my biggest advice is um, follow your passion. Um, I think it can be challenging in med school because I feel like we're forced to juggle a million things to kind of um, hold close what's important to you. But I think that for me really keeps me grounded and keeps me going with um, what I want to do. Um, the second thing is kind of just talk to people and um, kind of pick their brain about like what their passions are and how their passions might align with yours, because um, I feel like more can be accomplished when there's more than one person working on something. And so, um, you know, like feed your curiosity, continue to to engage with other folks who might be doing similar work. Um and so I think those are the two things I would, um, those are the two things I would advise folks who are trying to figure it out. Excellent advice. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody is listening, wants to connect with you around the work that you're doing, is there a good way to do that, to reach out? Yeah, that's a funny, that's funny that you asked. So I, I'm on med Twitter and I'm just double checking what, what my handle is. Um, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, my, um, handle is at future doctor underscore Brit. So again, at future dr underscore B R I T T. So that's my, um, Twitter handle. I'm not on any of the social other social media um, platforms because they can be toxic. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if you want to follow me on there, please do. I feel like Twitter is already probably enough to handle. So good for you for being able to be on there. (laughs) Um, So let's see, we always end all of our interviews by asking what's your favorite thing about Rochester since coming here? 
Ooh, I love this. Um, I love the, I mean, this is so cliche, but I love the public market. Um, I feel like I would have said that even if our podcast wasn't about food, but um, just like a great place. I think given the fact that inflation is so high and, you know, for me going to the grocery store previously was just like such a fun activity, but now it gives me, and now it's just stressful because everything is so expensive. But the good thing about, the public market is that, you know, I can get so much, so much food and produce for such a good price. Um, I was there last week and I paid like $12 and got a bunch of veggies and I felt really good about that. So I think that's kind of really the heartbeat of the city really kind of keeps us going in terms of health and nutrition. So, um, but I, and it's definitely one of a kind. And if you haven't been to the public market, you definitely should. I agree 100%. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your work. And um, it just makes me feel so energized to be able to talk to someone, you know, like you kind of entering the field of medicine, but bringing so much passion and dedication to some of these really important issues. So um, we're really glad you're here. <laughs> thank you. I had so much fun on the podcast. And um, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.